GameZillaMedia.com. It's time for the last action podcast. Pop quiz, hot shot. Hey, motherfucker. I feel the need. The need for speed. Kill it. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Come with me if you want to live. Welcome to this week's episode of the Last Action Podcast. I am LPJ, and joining me, my own personal Paul Giamatti, Hovercraft Joe. <laughs> um yeah okay thanks <laughs> no it's cool i'm thinking like rhino paul giamatti uh, i would be happy if you're thinking like big fat liar paul giamatti but you know oh, man i don't know what's your favorite paul giamatti film oh uh obviously when he was in the uh tim burton planet of the apes wow deep cut <laughs> i don't even remember that movie yeah he played like an orangutan in it so yeah a lot of people did I mean, it's Planet of the Apes. Yeah, well, yeah, but different kinds. You know what? Let's save it. I'm not going to get into it. So it's not Planet <laughs> of the Orangutans. Like, he was an orangutan, and a lot of them were gorillas and just apes and monkeys and stuff like that. It wasn't like they were all. Anyways, we're already already way off track. Okay, they're gorillas in the mist. Let's, uh, let's move on here. Uh, and joining us, we have a very special guest. Uh, my wife, Erin. Hi, Erin. Hello. Thanks Hi. for having me again. No problem. Yeah. Good, good, to, good to have you. I'm actually, so this movie, we were, so Joe, tell us what the movie is. Uh, the movie is 2021's uh, Gunpowder Milkshake, um, which was released on July 14th of 2021. Yeah, so uh, hold on. Let's do this now. Spoiler alert. So anybody yes. who doesn't want to hear Sphinx, uh, go somewhere else. I'll give you five seconds. Ready? Five, four, three, two, one. Okay, spoiler time. F you guys. Here we go. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, and, and I, this was kind of one of those ones where when we were uh, working out what we were going to do, I was kind of like, hey... I think I'm going to watch this movie anyways. <laughs> do you want to just do it on the podcast? And you were like, yeah. So it, it occasionally happens where a movie comes out where just, it, it kind of happened with the uh, 2021 Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Where you were like, hey, we're both going to watch this anyways. Why don't we just cover it? So Yeah. It's kind of sort of a kill two birds with one stone sort of thing. And, and I want to say, when I saw this movie, when I saw the trailer for it, I was thinking, okay, you know. Maybe it'll be a movie Aaron likes. And I don't know if she does or doesn't like this movie for sure. But after watching it, I'm thinking to myself, oh, I was might have been mistaken. What? I'm curious. I'm curious. What did you think this movie was based on the trailer you watched? I like, just I thought it would be I knew it was going to be an action movie. Mm-hmm. I didn't think it was going to be, you know, as Tarantino-y as it is. Um, I thought it was going to be more like, I thought it was going to be more uh, in the lines of John Wick, which there's definitely a lot of that in this. I'm like, are you saying this isn't like no, no, it is. John Wicky? It is, but, and I'll get into that later. But my point is, I was thinking it was going to be more her style. And I don't know if this is or not. I, I 
What, don't, what, what is my style, Jason? You thought it was going to be a Hallmark movie? No. that's Well, no, I definitely didn't think that. But no, I thought it was going to be more of like a more comedic mm-hmm. and a little bit more, um, you know, feel good, adventure schlocky kind of movie. And it's not, there's none of that in this. A little bit more the spy who dumped me. Yeah, a little bit more spy who dumped me. A little bit more like Jumanji e, not like the adventure, but like, but like the the interaction with the characters. I thought was going to be a little bit more comedic at, at times. I don't and know. I thought, I thought it was. I thought it was a little feel good. It had a, a good, good message of empowerment. You know, it and, did. No, it did. It did. Um, my my tagline for this, and I think I wrote it somewhere in my notes, but like my like if I had to describe this movie to someone, and you're like. You you could just do like a sentence. I would say like John Wick directed by Wes Anderson. That's how that's my description of this movie because it's like that really specific quirky like kind of like all the sets and all like the stuff. It's very like it reminded me of a Wes Anderson movie. How like specific and like the songs and everything in it like that. But obviously it had like the action and like the all the the action sequence and fight sequence were obviously very inspired by like the John Wick movies in my opinion. Yeah, I didn't see Wes Anderson as much. I saw a lot more Tarantino than Wes Anderson, but same type of thing. Very specific references, specific music, specific shots, stuff like that. But I was thinking more Tarantino than Wes Anderson. But you know what? Apples and oranges, but yeah. very, but still fruit. Yeah, and I mean, just like you picked the wrong fruit in this one. But anyways. I, you're right. I, I Well, no, I, I picked apples. You clearly picked oranges. The one you have to do a lot of work for. You got to peel them. And then your your seeds, and you got to spit the pith out like the 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 rat. It's gross. No no oranges. Thank you very much. I like oranges. Um, okay, so <laughs> obviously I don't have like a ton of numbers on this because it came out a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but I can tell you that the budget was thirty million dollars. Um, I can tell you that the Rotten Tomatoes on it is sixty three percent, and that it currently has an audience score of fifty percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, and here's an interesting thing for you. I'm just curious if you can guess it all. Uh, I do have thus far the top grossing movies of 2021. Uh, the top three. Do you, do you, do you, do you, what, what would you take a crack at? What, what the top three highest grossing movies sure. thus far of 2021 are? Well, Black Widow's on there. That is number two. Um, uh, Fast and Furious is on there. That's number one. And... Uh, what else Third one up? is the one I think you might have trouble with. Suicide Squad's not out yet, as of the time of this recording. That's correct. This uh, is this this is a sequel. I'll tell you that. Uh, is it? A, it's it's got to be a kids movie, isn't it? No, not a kids movie. It's, it's more of a like uh, horror movie, almost horror like. Uh, oh, the Quiet Place. Mm-hmm. Quiet, Place, Quiet two. Place Part 2, yep, that was number 3. And just for uh, fun facts, number 4, I don't have it on the list, but it was uh, King Kong vs. Godzilla. And I think I forgot that was, came out. And I think number 6 was uh, Cruella. So, uh, so, yeah, that's all, I mean, I have not So list, that's all I, 6 movies that have come out in 2021. <laughs> no, there were some other ones, like I think Mortal Kombat was on there and stuff like that, but um, obviously... As we get further into the year, you have the movies that have made more money. So, sure. Um, 
but so uh, before we do networks, because I do have quite a few of those, do you, do you, I'm assuming, unless you want to change, <laughs> radically change the format of the podcast for this episode, that you want to talk about the cast a little bit. Yes. Let's talk about <laughs> the cast a little bit. Um, so, I mean, uh, we, we got, uh, Karen Gillan, uh, as the, I guess the main character of the movie is Sam, uh, Lena Hetty as Scarlet, who's her mom, which I saw that they were only like 15 years different, uh, age in real life. So, uh, that's always kind of funny when they have someone play someone's mom. But I you know, know and, and that's, what's weird about this is like, Karen Gillan is older than I think she is. And yeah. Lena Headey is definitely younger than I think she is. <laughs> yeah, they're and I, and I don't know what it says about the two of them, but that's just my thought process. I thought it'd be much farther than that. Um, also, other people that I know that uh, obviously you might have more, uh, Michelle Yeoh uh, as Florence, a great uh, action star of such movies as... Um, Crouch, Tiger, well, and Dragon? Yeah, that was the one yeah. I was trying to think of. And uh, uh, Die Another Day? Hello? Oh. Uh, not die another day. Tomorrow never. Oh, dies. tomorrow never dies. I'm sorry. Yeah, one of the worst James Bond movies ever made. Um, uh, Carla Gugino as Madeline. Uh, Angela Bassett sighting as Anna May, and you mentioned Paul Giamatti as Nathan. Now I don't know if there's anyone else. No one stood out to me, but that's usually your area of the podcast. No, this is one of those movies where I know nothing else. Like, there is not a single other character actor or anybody that I recognize in this film. The only thing I saw when I was looking at it, and I, and I know we talked about this, not on the pod, I don't think, but that uh, that apparently the person who played the young version of Karen Gillan in the movie, that oh. Rhea Allen is on that Witcher show. Yes, um, that's right. I, that's where I recognized her from. But uh, I told you that I have not watched that, so that meant nothing which to is, me. Which is bananas. You should watch that. Well, uh, okay. So Aaron, that, I think you would like The Witcher. It's on my list. You should watch it. <laughs> but it's, probably for different reasons than you think I should watch it. Oh, no, no. I, well, why I think you should watch it or why I think you will watch it. Why I think you should watch it is because it's a great show. Why I think you will watch it is Henry Cavill's abs. Yep. <laughs> That, that sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, are you ready for some networks? We actually have quite a few. So uh, Yeah, there's a lot but, of people who aren't dead in this. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of people I know. So uh, let's start with uh, Carla Gugino. What do you think for Carla Gugino, uh, LPJ? She's got that sweet, sweet snake eyes money. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with... Wait, she was in snake eyes? Yeah. She was the she was like the femme fatale in it. The uh, oh, the Nicolas Cage movie, not the GI Joe one that just came. Out. <laughs> no, not the, no, not GI Joe Origin <laughs> Snake Eyes. Snake Eyes. <laughs> no, 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 one is called like one is called GI Joe Origin Snake Eyes. All right, fair enough. Okay, See? so what what do you think? Uh, Twenty five million. Uh, what do you think, Aaron? Well, you know, she's got that sweet, sweet spy kids money. So <laughs> that's good. Deep cut. Uh, I'm gonna guess, I don't know, 25 seems high. I'm gonna guess 10. Uh, pretty close. Uh, 14 million for, uh, Carly Gino. And I do want to say, forgive me for thinking that if you reference a Snake Eyes movie, that you were talking about the one that came out, like, 20 years ago starring Nicolas Cage, and not the one that came out recently based on the cartoon show that we both watch and talk about a lot. 
That's fair. However, <laughs> I have seen the Nicolas Cage snake eyes within the last three years. <laughs> okay, weird, weird flex. Okay. Oh, real, real, real weird flex. Uh, Michelle Yeoh. What do you think for Michelle Yeoh? Uh, Aaron? She's got to be loaded because she's been in so many movies here and internationally. And uh, she's also in my favorite, uh, one of my favorite movies, Memoirs of a Geisha. So, you know, she's, that that alone is probably going to bring her at least like 30 million. Okay. What do you think, LBJ? Um, yeah, she's... She's uh she she's the female Jackie Chan. Um so I'm gonna go I'll say thirty-five million. Uh forty million dollars. So yeah. She is uh doing all right. Doing all right for herself. Uh next up, uh Angela Bassett. She's got that sweet, sweet Black Panther money. So what do you think, uh LBJ? Oh, she got that sweet, sweet what's love got to do with it money. <laughs> Uh, I'll say 15 million. Okay. Here. Well, considering, uh, you know, how she got her groove back, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to go ahead and say 20, uh, close $25 million for, uh, Angela Bassett. Uh, next up, uh, we've already talked about some of his, uh, great movies, Mr. Paul Giamatti. Uh, and what do you think for Paul Giamatti? Um, I feel like Santa Claus has to be loaded, right? So, <laughs> are you? Is, I, I see you turning your head. You're looking it up on your phone, aren't you? Is that me? A, yeah. Is that a, no, I have a list of movies that they've been in. That oh, that's cheating. It's, it is cheating, but I am very poor at recalling these things in the moment. So I made a little list, and you know what? What a cheater. You're Forget you. You're referencing his sweet, sweet Fred Claus money. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I mean, what are you, Jody? That <laughs> uh, is his favorite movie. <laughs> he laughed like a lot in the theater. Apparently. Yeah. Trust me. I said I sat between <laughs> him and the tush, and they both were laughing <laughs> very loud. Um, so, uh, what, what do you think for Paul Giamatti? Uh, I'm going to say twenty million. $20 million. I can see LBJ feverishly Googling a movie for Paul no, Giamatti. No, I am absolutely not. Okay, well, what do you th- what do you think for Paul Giamatti? Uh, I'm going to say, let's see. He's got that. He's got that sweet, sweet uh, billions money. Um, <laughs> Back it down, though. Don't let that influence. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say, what did Aaron say? $25 million? Uh, yeah, I, I said twenty. Twenty million. Okay, twenty million and one. Uh, twenty-five million. Her yeah, and, winner. <laughs> him and him and Angela Bassett, same net worth. Okay, last two. Uh, someone we've covered on the podcast before, Lena Headey. What do you think of Lena Headey? Uh, LBJ. She's got. She had to have made a ton of money on the Sarah Connor Chronicles. Uh, uh I'm gonna. <laughs> 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 Joel will spit his drink. Good. Yep, Sarah Connor Chronicles. Uh, I'll say, I'll say thirty-five million. I think what was really funny is I definitely was like, "Oh, he's going to say Game of Thrones," and then he didn't. So, um, okay, what do you what do you think, Aaron? Um, well, I mean, she was on Game of Thrones. <laughs> it's true. So, 
but I don't know how much they got paid for that. Probably I'll tell you what, she got paid a lot more on that than she did on Dread. <laughs> but did... Uh, I, I think she did eventually end up getting paid a lot, but I think it was only for like the last season or two. Oh, okay. And I will I will tell you this, now that LBJ has guessed, last time we had her on the podcast, he greatly overestimated how much her net worth is, and he did it again. How much did you say, Jay? 35. 35. Oh, all right. Well, if that's a great overestimation, I'm going to go with 10. Uh, that's closer, $12 million. Oh. So, um, okay, and then finally, someone else that we've talked about on the podcast before, uh, that I'm sure you don't remember LBJ, uh, but uh, Karen Gillen, you know she's got that sweet, sweet Amy Pond money, so what do you what do you want to go with, uh, Aaron? Um, let's say, I mean, she's been in a lot of, superhero movies but not starring in this i mean not like the main i'm gonna say seven million all right lpj i'm gonna say 15 million dollars for karen gillen she hopped in that tardis there's a lot of room in there she's putting all her money in that tardis now, don't discount that sweet, sweet money she has from that sitcom she had on ABC with her and John Cho that I don't remember what it was called. Maybe like Selfie or something like that? I don't remember. Anyways. It was, uh, it was I don't do not think it was Selfie. <laughs> I don't know what it was, but it was not Selfie. <laughs> I'm going to double check on that, but I will let you know <laughs> that she actually only, at least is listed as only, you know what? It is called selfie. Shut up. Right. No, I am 100% <laughs> You know what? Right. And that is why I got canceled. Um, I think it had two seasons. But she only has uh, $2 million. Is That's crazy. That's surprisingly low for her. Because I feel like she's been in so many blockbuster type movies lately. Yeah, I mean, but I guess it's... And, and I don't know. Like, here's the thing. Like, the she big secret She's got a bad agent. I get all of these from the same website. That's not to say that um, they're right, but at least I'm getting them from the same source. So uh, they're either 100%, you know, I, I don't know. Who knows? Maybe she has more now, but that's what I got at the moment is $2 million. So, Fair enough. Uh, so the director on this, um, and, and I am 100% going to butcher this, uh, Navat. Papushado. You got anything for me, LBJ? Papushado. Navat Papushado. And I was like, oh, I was like, this must be some, like, hip guy that I never heard of. And then I, like, looked at his, like, kind of uh, credits, and I didn't, I, I guess I don't know where this guy came from. <laughs> yeah, uh, I looked him up, too. And, yeah, his filmography is short, and... <laughs> has really nothing on it. He did the movie Rabies. He did yeah. Big Bad Wolves. He did a segment on a show called The ABCs of Death 2. Oh, 2? Wow. Uh-huh. Uh, and then he did this. And that's it. That is all he's done. Like, I don't know. He wrote this too, I believe, right? Yeah, he, him and some other dude, he, he owed Levisky or something. Yeah. They, they wrote it. So, but it is surprising because, I mean, this, it's not like, 
it's not like this is a, I mean, it's not like an insane budget, but like $30 million isn't like an indie film. Well, I, but did you look at the beginning, how many different production companies were involved? Because this, this was split up between one, two, three, four, five. This was split up between six different production companies. So they're only putting in $5 million a piece. Yeah, I guess that's true. You know, you're not, it's not a big risk for six different studios to get involved just to make this movie. Yeah, I guess that's true. It's just it just seems kind of weird that this. I mean, like, I don't know. It's like I don't have any idea of like how this. I mean, it is so new that we don't have a lot of background on it, really. But it's like it just seemed to like I was like, oh, this guy must be known for something, and that's why this movie exists. But like you said, it's kind of like no, well, not really. You know what I think it is? I think it has to do with the fact that um, this is kind of riding on the coattails of things like John Wick and you know uh, uh, the Jack Reacher films and. Um, uh, what, what's the other one with uh, Denzel Washington? Equalizer films. They're those low budget. <laughs> if you're listening at home and you have your last action podcast bingo cards, LBJ brought up the Equalizer. So feel <laughs> free to mark that on your card. <laughs> We're going to do that movie. Uh, but it's in that vein of, you know, lower budget action films that are developing like, you know, that are like world building, you know? So this yeah. is, this is a film that's very much world building and, you know, spoiler alert, they've greenlit a sequel. I was just going to say, I saw that they already uh, greenlit a sequel. So. so I think realistically, they're just looking for a cheap action franchise to build upon all of the other cheap action franchises that have hit it big lately. Yeah, that makes sense. And I don't like, and we can get into this more and go through the plot, but you were kind of like, yeah, it kind of reminds you of John Wick. I'm like, really? It only kind of reminds you? Oh, no, you? I didn't like, say, I didn't say kind of. Society of assassins, and there's like a diner where you have to turn in your weapons. Hold on. No, I didn't say kind of. Okay. I said it definitely reminded me of that, but it also reminded me of, you know, quite Tarantino. Like, I, I think it's really split between those two. Yeah. We, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, and then the music... Uh, I got nothing really on the music. Haim Frank Eastman. Haim? Haim? Ham? That's it. Yeah, sure. <laughs> what, were you supposed to help me out with pronouncing names? And you're just letting me flounder here like a jackass? It's, Fra- it's Frank Ilfman. Well, what's the first part? Music by Frank. It's just Frank Ilfman. Oh, well, when I looked it up, it had H-A-I-M. Well, that's Haim. Haim Frank Eastman. No. Anyway, Frank Ilfman. That's who. This Frank Ilfman. That'll do. Okay. Well, it's, anyways, a, it's it, basically it's a it's a it's an all Israeli crew and cast or er, crew and um uh, uh like writer and director and all that stuff. So okay. Oh, well, you know, and, and and the music wasn't anything too uh wasn't memorable. I would say probably the the more interesting song choices were the actual like songs that they put in as opposed to the score. Yeah. In, in my opinion. I agree. Um, uh, anything uh, before we start talking about the actual plot? Anything else that you guys want to mention um, as far as uh, interesting facts or anything else before we kind of get into it? I have the most useless fact I was able to attain from uh, the good old Internet Movie Database. If you're ready for it, yes, please. There were seven facts listed on there. Please give me <laughs> one of the seven. Well, this one to me was the most useless. That they said that, <laughs> and I like it because it offers no context. <laughs> At all. Like, as to when this happened, it just says, after a radio interview, Karen Gillan revealed her favorite treat is a milkshake. <laughs> was it a radio interview for the movie? Was, like, 
It just says a radio interview. Like for what? Was she promoting Doctor Who? Like what? No, that's how, that's how she picked this film. She's like, oh, milkshakes in the title. I've got to be in it. You know, I know what gunpowder is. Gunpowder, milkshake, can't go wrong. This is gold. You're right, though. Like, um, and I also already mentioned one of the other few facts it has is that it's a sorry, it's a 14 year age difference between Lena Headey and Karen Gillan. So. Yes. Uh, but yeah, not a lot. But I mean, that kind of happens, you know, when we do these movies that are this recent. You know, there's not a lot of stuff on it. There were no taglines, like. It's just kind of a bummer. I always, you know, I like the taglines, but yeah, and you know, and that's just the fault of this movie being so new, and the fact that it came out on Netflix. You know, yes. there's really no reason for them to make a tagline because it's Netflix. Yeah, it's true. Uh, they're like, you don't need a tagline; you just needed to start automatically playing the trailer loud if you hover on it for more than like half a second when you have Netflix open. That's what sold you. Yeah. Uh, although I did read that if you go like if you pull up Netflix online, there's like an option where you can turn that off. Or yeah, like, like, we turned it off. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> a long time ago. La di da, I guess. Too good for commercials and force trailers. Yeah, uh, man, I was watching the Olympics today, and there were commercials. I was so mad. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, what is this? I don't even understand. I haven't seen a commercial in so long. I know. I had to turn it off. I was like, nope, sorry. I don't need to see how great you, your athlete, you athletes are. These commercials are ruining it for me. Look, we're going to get into the plot of the movie, but I do just want to say, because you are such a fan of the uh, X Games, are you excited now that like the Olympics have like surfing and skating and mountain biking? And- oh, hey, Olympics. Welcome to 2001. <laughs> uh, okay. All right. You ready to talk about this plot? Yes. <laughs> all right. Um, okay. So we're introduced to the movie. I, I will say I did like the the very opening credits with all like the neon signs and stuff. Like I like that uh, kind of look where it had everyone's name, Netflix film and stuff like that. Yeah, you know, and well, not only everyone's name, but like all five minutes of getting through <laughs> the different production companies. Um, yeah. The movie is very stylistic. So I will say that right off the bat is they are making very conscious efforts to create a world and stylize things in a specific way. And, and you know, and they stick to it throughout the entire film, which is nice. It doesn't seem like, I mean, yes, it seems like a mishmash of things, but it seems like a mishmash of things with a purpose. So I did appreciate that. Yeah, it, de- it definitely had, like, this is the world that this is set in, and we're sticking to kind of kind of one of those things where it's like, eh, it's the modern world, but some things seem kind of old-timey, and, like, it was a lot of, like, neon and kind of like stuff like that but I, I i like the look of it like i liked that like how it looked and the, the aesthetic they picked for it i thought was, was pretty cool but anyway so once we get past those neon signs we're introduced to karen gillen's character sam she worked for this uh i guess like conglomerate of like bad dudes called the firm um i couldn't quite figure out what the firm was were they an actual firm no it, it's basically like your oh. generic it's just your generic, like, we run the world, uh, we need hitmen, so we're going to hire you. It's just the, you know, generic, uh, clandestine, you know, group of people who run everything secretly. All right, fair enough. So she works for the firm. Uh, we're introduced to her killing a bunch of dudes. Um, she goes home and then maybe a little on the nose makes herself a milkshake within, like, the first three minutes of the movie. 
Um, she's like sewing that cut on her arm, which I thought was kind of gross. So she's just, like casually like sewing up a cut on her arm while she's watching TV. Was that yeah. your favorite part of the movie, Jason? No, that part wasn't bad. You know, you've been in a you've been in a hotel in a in a hospital with me when I've gotten stitches. So, uh, you know, that's the part that doesn't bother me. Yeah, he's like he's like that's fine as long as she wasn't like administering a shock to herself. Or yeah, whatever. that'd be a little different. Um, okay, so uh, we get like a flashback to uh, 15 years ago. She's at this diner, and this is the diner that's very like John Wicky because it's like you walk in and they're like. What do they say? I can't remember. They say it some way, but basically they take your guns away from you when you go into this diner. Yeah, checking in your hardware or something like that. Or... Yeah. Um, and so she's a uh, young Karen Gillan's there waiting for her mom, uh, who's played by Lena Hetty, and she shows up. Uh, they share a milkshake together. She's got like we don't really quite understand at the time, but she gives her like the she gives her like a book, and inside the book it's like carved out, and there's a gun inside the book, and it's you know we'll get into that more later. Um, so then all these Russian dudes show up at the diner and Lena Hetty kills all of them. And then she kind of takes off and leaves. We're also introduced to Paul Giamatti's character, Nathan, because he shows up to like kind of take care of Karen Gillan's character after Lena Hetty takes off. But we don't really know why she left or what exactly is going on. We're kind of, you know, left in the dark at the moment for that. Uh, we go back to the present. Um... He get, she gets, like, a new job from Paul Giamatti. Uh, there's some... Uh, okay. <laughs> so the firm apparently has legitimate and non-legitimate business. And apparently someone on the legitimate side of the business stole a bunch of money from them, not knowing that they're a bunch of bad guys. So they're sending her to get this money back, right? Yeah, no, that's it. And, uh, yeah, they basically have... You're, you described it exactly right. They have a legitimate side that kind of cleans their money that they use for, I would assume money laundering and things like that. And then they have their illegitimate side, which, you know, where they get their illegal funds. Okay. So, uh, we also learned at this point that like that scene at the beginning, when she was killing all that people, apparently she killed, uh, some important dude's son. Like, I can't remember the guy's name and I don't know if we ever really understand why he's important, but apparently he's important. Like, uh, McAllister is his last yeah, name. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's it. But I, like, I, I mean, he's another crime guy or whatever. Like, they don't, I don't feel like they do a really good job explaining, like, why no, he's important. It, you know, and I this think is he was some, I think he was someone they did business with. Okay. Yeah, and this is one of those things that irritated me. It's just basically like, you know, it's like in John Wick. Okay, the, the Russian kid's son <laughs> does something bad, so then John Wick goes after him. And now everybody has to come down on John Wick because he went after the wrong person. You know, it's like there's there's a lot of stuff in this movie that they tried to that they didn't necessarily steal from like Quentin Tarantino and, and John Wick films and those films, but they made their own version of it, and it's not as good. Um. So, uh, before she goes to do this job, like, Paul G. Money's like, hey, you gotta get some new guns, because, like, he messed up in this other job. So that's when she goes to the library. Uh, this library, which is a front for, like, guns? Yeah, you know, and that's another thing. Like, one of those stylistic things, they, they, all of the books have different guns in it, and they say, oh, you need a Jane Austen, and it has this particular gun in it. You need a you know, a uh, 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 whatever book, and it's got this type of gun in it. You yeah, know? 
Which, by the way, uh, later on when we get to some more of the inner parts of that, it's an intense library. Like when the, the at, when we go back to it at the end of the movie and they're like in some of those root themed rooms, I'm yeah. like, wow. I'm like, this library is sweet. Yeah. And, you know, and this is like, this is this movie's continental is essentially what it is. Okay. So here's how I understand this to be. And then if I'm wrong, one of you two can correct me. So the library where they had the guns in the books. The librarians are Angela Bassett, Michelle Yeoh, and Carly Gugino. Now they, my understanding of how this is, in the past, Lena Hetty was also one of the librarians, and that's where Carrie and Gillen like, grew up in the library, and she knows these people when she was a kid. Now when Lena Hetty left, she stopped, She went with Paul Giamatti, stopped going to the library. So when she comes back now, this is the first time they've seen her in 15 years, and they don't recognize her at first. Is that right? Well, no, I think I think Carly Gugino recognizes her, but isn't quite sure. Okay. But what about the part about Lena Hetty being one of the librarians? Is that right? Yeah, I think Karen Gillan doesn't realize where that that she was a librarian with them. Okay. Well anyways, so she goes there, they recognize her from when she was a kid. Um, and she gets, like, new guns. I wish I could remember. I didn't write it down, but there was a really funny name. She had that big, like, tomahawk axe, and it had, like, a funny name because they referred to it, like, by name when she pulled it out of the bag, and I can't I can't remember what it was called. But um, I can't remember so, off the top of my head. There's a lot of, like, individual details of this movie that I can't really remember because, I hate to say it, they were cool, but not memorable. You know what I mean? Yeah. Although I will say this, uh, Carly or not Carly, uh, Lita Hetty's guns were sweet. <laughs> the one she uses at the end. Yeah, the I, I know I'm jumping ahead, but they're yeah. pretty awesome. Um, okay, so she tracks down the guy that stole the money, um, and uh, she shoots him. In because she's trying to answer this phone that's ringing, and he doesn't. She's like, "Don't go for the phone." Blah 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 blah. But he does, so he shoots him in the stomach. Uh, but then the, he answers the phone. It turns out like his daughter was kidnapped by these guys, and that's why he took the money so he could pay the ransom and get his daughter back. Uh, she feels bad about it, so first she takes the guy that she shot in the stomach to like this like again, kind of like a John Wicky thing, this like assassin underground like hospital place uh, to, to have him fix the guy, where the doctor's like huffing his own like gas and stuff. So. Uh, <laughs> Um, and then she goes to see the kid at this bowling alley, which I think was called Gutter Balls. I like that. I like that it was. Detail. I was okay with that. Um, uh, so in the meantime, Paul Giamatti is upset because she's not bringing the money back. So he sends these three guys to go get her and the money. And he's like, hey, don't don't kill her, basically, because, you know, blah, blah, blah. So you get that cool fight scene in the bowling alley. Uh, where she's she's beating up all those guys. Um, uh, she th- I like when that guy's trying to run away and she hits him in the back with the bowling ball and he's yeah. on the ground and then he then she just like bowls rolls the ball like right into his face like um, that, that, but, that would hurt like yeah. a lot. Which one? <laughs> I mean, but all of it. But that that in particular, I think a bowling ball in the face is unpleasant. Yeah. Well, when we catch up with the guys later, they are all pretty beat up. So. Um, but it was a it was a pretty cool fight scene. I like I liked all the action scenes in this movie. Like, eh, I thought they were okay. Um, the problem is, it looked like it looked like actors trying to do a fight scene and not like a good fight scene. Like you'd see, you know, trained 
um, like stuntmen doing. You know what I mean? Like, like the John Wick. I hate to keep going back to John Wick films, but if you <laughs> look at the, you? I, I don't. If you look at the John Wick films, everybody in there is so pristinely trained that it looks effortless what they're doing. You know, and it looks almost superhuman. In this film, it looks like actors trying to fight in a fight scene, and I think that's that doesn't help the movie at all. All right. Poker face is not very good on this one, but <laughs> poker face. Just as far as so far, your overall feelings on the movie. Oh yeah, no, I'm I'm not hiding it at all. I don't I don't I don't love this movie. Um. So, anyways, uh, so she beats the guys up at the bowling alley. She goes to what is apparently an abandoned mall. I couldn't figure that out. It seemed like it was abandoned. Empty. Aren't all malls abandoned at this point? That's fair enough. Pretty um, much. Uh, so she she rescues the girl. And the kidnappers, who are all wearing those, like, uh, masks, they're, like, all old-school, like, monster movie masks, um, uh, they... <laughs> I kind of like this a little bit. Go ahead. Did you we said, ever find you, out who they were? No. We never find out who they are. We never find out why they took this guy's daughter, like, specifically. Uh, never answered. But anyways, I do like the fact that they get away with the money and they're driving away, and she, like, goes to run to, like chase after them, but they all, like, turn on each other and end up pretty much all killing each other, except for the one that's wearing the vampire mask that she ends up, like, staking through the heart with a piece of wood. Yeah, I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah. I enjoyed uh, that. But throughout this, the, uh, throughout this whole exchange, the, uh, money, uh, the suitcase of money ends up getting blown up, like, destroyed, all the money, which was Yeah, the, the, it was, I think it was, it was like, the, stock certificates. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, yeah, and the fr- it was like Frankenstein, wasn't it? Who like had the grenade at the end? He's like, if you know, if he can't have it, nobody will, and he blows it up. Right, mm-hmm. right, right, right. Okay, so uh, Karen Gillan goes and grabs a kid. Uh, they go back to the hospital, but like, ugh, turns out that her dad ended up dying. Um, which is like, I thought they were going to reveal like that like he died, but it had, had something to do with those three guys being at the hospital or something, but. Like, I guess not. I guess he just died because he got shot in the stomach or something. Yeah, I don't know. I, that doctor's competency is in question. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I think he just died. Okay. So, uh, the the doctor makes a deal with those three guys she made up in the bowling alley to kind of, like, sell her out so they can... they can. Yes. No, continue. I was just going to say that <laughs> <laughs> I, this was my least favorite scene of the movie because it was just so effing annoying. Oh, the, the uh, laughing gas. Oh yeah, because they're they're like injured. Like it, was, it was not comedic relief. It was just <laughs> annoying. Yeah. So the three guys she beat up in the bowling alley are like huffing this doctor's like uh, laughing gas. So they're just like laughing like throughout the whole rest of the time in the movie. Like when they're talking to Paul Giamatti, when they're fighting Karen Gillan, like they're just laughing the whole time. Yeah. And, and, was, and you know what? And I can understand you being annoyed with it because because laughing gas is like your saving grace most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, <laughs> I need it to get through my daily life with you. Is that what you're getting at? I, sometimes. You know sometimes. For, for the listeners at home, I have seen her lean over and like take a hump out of a mat <laughs> a couple of times already. So, um, so the doctor injects like uh, Karen Gillan in this thing that's like going to like paralyze her arms. Um, so I, <laughs> I, you again probably didn't like this, but I kind of like this fight scene because she has the kid like tape a gun and tape like a, a knife to her hand and then like because she can't really walk or anything like 
roll her out to the hallway on the chair and like it's kind of it was kind of fun watching her fight those guys but not really gonna be able to use her arms she had to like spin her whole body around to like fire the gun and hit them i don't know i kind of liked it no it was funny it, it was it wasn't bad but i thought it could there could have been so much more to it like they could have thought of more creative ways instead of her just like you know sitting in a chair and spinning she's supposed to be some trained assassin why not like throw kicks or you know find a way to you know s- slice them up better or use her arm as a weapon more so like yeah, like it, it the, yeah, the payoff just wasn't there why didn't she just try and kick the guys that were firing guns at her like that probably would have been effective <laughs> she could kick the bullets out of the air listen john, um, john wick would have figured it out i don't think john wick would have kicked bullets out of the air but anyways um he so, beat up boban Mar- he beat up uh, boban Mar- marjanovic with uh with a book in the library yeah, well, okay. Uh, I hope nobody's playing the shots game listening to you talking about this movie and <laughs> drinking every time you say John Wick. I'm going to say it a lot more, so get over it. And also, when he beat up that guy with the book, his arms weren't paralyzed, so that's all <laughs> I'm going to say about that. Anyways, you know so what? A- Bobon's almost eight feet tall. After she uh, kills all those guys, she gets a call from uh, Paul Giamatti. Uh, and, and basically she gets like fired by the firm. They're like, yeah, we're, you're not under our protection anymore. Then he goes and he calls that guy who Aaron remembers the name of, but I've already forgotten. Um, and basically he's like, Hey, we're McAllister, McAllister, Kevin McAllister. So Jim McAllister. <laughs> so she, they, they give up Karen Gillen to this guy. Um, and, but then Paul Giamatti like calls Karen Gillen back. and is like, Hey, go to this place before you like leave town. Uh, and, and LBJ probably didn't like this, but but I like the bit where they're going there and like she still can't use her arms, so she has the kid driving, and they're like, oh, we're just gonna drive to this house. But then like the bad guys show up, so they have to do this whole chase scene like in the parking structure with like the girl driving and like Karen Gillan kind of like working the gas and brake. I thought that was. Funny. I have no problem with that. I thought that was actually cool. I thought that was a creative use of you know her arms not being able to work. Um, but I, I was a little, I did the question a little bit cause they're like, um, they're like, she's like, oh, don't worry, the car's bulletproof. And I'm like, man, that car is really bulletproof cause it gets shot like a bunch of times and like, there's not even so much as like a crack in the windshield at all. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a solid windshield. That is a James Bond level bulletproof <laughs> windshield. Um, okay. So they go to that address that Paul Giamatti gave them and it turns out that, uh, Lena Hetty, uh, it's Scarlet, uh, Karen Gillenbaum is there. Uh, she's been there, I guess, the whole time for 15 years, just kind of like hanging out, like keeping tabs on Karen Gillen. Um, and then we kind of get the uh, backstory to kind of what happened. So they, I, I like how they're like, well, we got to explain why like Lena Hetty is like a very English accent. <laughs> so they're like, well, when we were over in London, your dad was into the bad, the bad stuff. He got killed by some bad guys. Then we came over here to the U.S. She found out who killed her husband, those Russian guys. But, like, they were under the protection of the firm. So they're like, well, you can't go after him. But she went after him anyways and killed all of them. So that's, like, she got a mark put on her by the, like, the firm was actually like, oh, we're going to get you. So that's why she had to leave and couldn't take Karen Gillan with her. Did I right. get that right? Yes. But here's my question with that. So, like, Paul Giamatti obviously knew where she was the whole time, right? Presumably. Yeah. He has no qualms with turning on Karen Gillen at the end. So, yeah. why would it matter 
Like, how would he keep her? Why would he keep Lena Headey's secret the whole time if for, for that whole time? Like, it doesn't make sense to me. No, I will agree with that. I thought it was kind of confusing because it was like I, it was like they tried to make it seem like he was like, oh, well, he's sympathetic to them. But it's like, well, is he? Because I'm like, I couldn't quite figure out, like, if he was supposed to be a good guy or a bad guy. But then at the end, it seems to clearly kind of want us to make us think that he's a bad. I don't. I, you're right. That is I, I, I didn't feel like they did a good job defining, like, how we were supposed to feel about or even how Paul Giamatti felt about them. Right. In the movie. Yeah. So. Um, okay. So, uh, I like, I like when they go to leave. Cause like, uh, one of the guys from the hospital, maybe not the hospital anyways, uh, from the parking structure, like yeah. followed them and saw where they were. So when they go to leave and they like, they're taking the elevator down, there's so many guys in that, like when they open the elevator, uh, and there's all those guys there. Um, but like apparently Lena Hetty already had uh, planned out. There's like a secret passage through like the dryer. Was it the washer? I wasn't sure if it was the dryer or the washer. Um, it doesn't matter. Well, they they climb through, and they're in all these different buildings, and they, they end up in a freezer, and they walk out of a freezer, and uh-oh. Why did Lena Hetty even bother going to the first floor? Uh, I Because they probably had pushed the elevator button, so it just, like, stopped automatically, right? No. Oh, yeah. No, no, I, no this is what... Or did she I, choose it? I think Aaron's right. What if those guys, the guys in the lobby, were trying to go up, so they hit the button for it to stop, so wouldn't it automatically stop if it was going down? You know, sometimes you're, like, waiting in an elevator, it opens up, and you're like, they're like, oh, sorry, we're going down. So what? maybe, like, they were on their way to the bottom, and the guys in the lobby had hit it to go up, and so it's, that's why it stopped down there. Okay, maybe. You know what? We're, it's we'll a, possi- it's a what possibility. It sure. Fine. We'll leave well, it at they- that. Or they didn't know that there was going to be so many guys. Uh, anyways. Sure. Um, so they, uh, she had like planned this exit route to basically, everything, everything in this movie seems to be in like the same like three block radius uh, because the secret exit takes them out to like right where the library is. Um, so they go to the library. She's kind of reluctant to go to the library because she kind of skipped out on them, but they go anyways. Um, well, let me ask you a question then. <clears throat> so at this point, Karen Gillan doesn't know that her mom was a librarian, right? She did because she had been there. Like yeah, I, when I she was the, a kid, she was there. Right, I but the but impression. at this point, she doesn't realize that her mom was a librarian. She doesn't put two and two together that. See, I I don't I, I, I don't think, think she so. did. I, I think she knew. I think she grew up in the library. I think I think the whole thing was like that was her home when she was a kid because like when. When she tells her that Paul Giamatti is going to get her, she's like, "Well, can't why can't I just stay at the library? Like, I think that was her home." Like, oh, yeah. all right, Lena that's fair. Left. No, you're fair. That's fair. You're good. Okay, okay. So then uh, they're at the library. She's going to stay and fight the guys. The kid Emily wants to say that's where she tells. She finally tells Emily that she's the one that kills her dad to get her to like kind of leave. You know, kind of like white fang her, if you will. Um, you know, get out of here. Yeah, no, I, I got the reference. <laughs> Well, you didn't respond to my white thing. No, I got it, Jack London. Let's go. <laughs> um, so then we get like a big, intense fight scene. That's where uh, Lena Hetty gets those guns that you love so much. Yeah, they, they were but, pretty sweet. But what I don't get is like, and I guess it's to like showcase some other kind of fighting, but it's like this library is allegedly full of guns, but like they each, <laughs> they each have like one gun that they use. Like, get some more guns. Like, they, wasn't they, it? 
Just all sorts of weapons, though, because the books yeah, that was. they pulled out wasn't exclusively guns. That, that is true, because they originally tell her to look in the self-help section, and when she's pulling out books, like, one of them has, like, a bunch of cash in it, I think one has, like, a passport, and one has, like, that gold bar that she uses for a while to fight. Um, so I, I, I do think you're right. It's, like, a lot of different weapons, because she gets, like, a knife out of one of them, too. So, right, yeah. Um, Where were all uh, the rifles? Like, how, if it's a library, obviously, you'd have to have a giant book to put a rifle in. Well, I think some of that stuff was in the basement. Yeah. I don't Because think originally they took her downstairs with her little duffel bag to make the swap. It wasn't That's all true. pulled yeah. from the shelves. That's yeah. fair. Is that library uh, open to the public? Did they that, make, if it's a front... That, I was confused about that, too. I didn't understand it. See, when I first... When they first introduced it, I thought it was outward facing a normal library, but then underneath, like, you could get all these guns. But then in that scene, when they're like, hey, check the self-help section, and there's, like, knives and guns and gold bars, I'm like, well, is this just a complete fake library? I don't know. Yeah, that was not well-established. Unconfirmed. Um, so then we get this big, huge uh, fight scene in the library, all this different stuff. Uh, the librarians, they are originally going to leave, but then they decide to stay and help. Um, uh, I, <laughs> that's where, like, Michelle Yeoh's got that, like, machine gun, and she takes a bunch of guys out, and, like, I was like, oh, cool, Angela Bassett has grenades, but she just has gas grenades, and that's when they go, like, into, like, the upper parts of the library, where there's, like, these themed rooms, one's kind of, like, an ice explorer room, yeah. where Angela Bassett's got these two <laughs> hammers stash, and the other one's, like, a jungle room, and Michelle Yeoh just gets out this big chain, and she's, like, kicking these guys' ass and using the chain, while Angela Bassett's just like hitting people with hammers, I like when she kept, when she like that one guy's on the ground. She gets the hammer like in his mouth. Oh, she fish hooks like, him, yeah, and is like dragging him around on the ground with the with the with the hammer. I, I like that part. Also, um, they have like a bus in the basement, and like some guys get down in the basement, and like Carly Carly Gugino's in the bus, and there's like a huge like rail gun, like yeah, machine that, gun thing, yeah, that Gatling gun. You yeah. know what? Him hiding behind that wall. That Gatling gun would have shot through that wall like it was nothing. Yeah, I kind of, I kind of thought so too, right? Um, so they take out a bunch of guys. There's also this like gigantic guy that shows up with a sledgehammer that they have to fight. Yeah, I don't know what his deal was. Um, oh, he, you know him. He's just giant sledgehammer guy. Okay, so giant sledgehammer guy shows sure. up. Um, Carly Gugino ends up having kind of like imano imano fight with the. I'd say he's like the second tier bad guy. Like he's like the he's Kevin McAllister's nephew. He's like the lieutenant. He's got like a bad haircut, uh, and they have a fight where she's got that tomahawk that we don't remember the funny name for, and he's got brass knuckles. Uh, but <laughs> but he ends up winning the fight, I guess, because they all go down to the basement, and Carly Gugino's dead, and he took uh, Emily, the little girl, uh, with him. Um, so they go out to a cabin in the woods. Uh, they bury Carly Gugino. Uh, then they get a call, and Karen Gillan basically agrees to exchange herself for Emily. Uh, they go to the diner, as we talked about. Um, we get a big, long, like, sol- sol- uh, sol- soliloquy. Thank you, man. Yep. Uh, from uh, Kevin McAllister, where he's like, Ooh, I had all these daughters, and I didn't get them, and then I had this son, and we really bonded, and all this stuff, and then you killed him, blah, blah, blah. But basically, uh, just when things look the worst for Karen Gillan, like I, I, I like that little bit where it's like, uh, it's like, oh, it's like a waitress, and you think it's the waitress who's seen for the whole movie, you know, like asking, and he's really mad. But it turns out it's Lena Headey, and she's got a shotgun, and she's like, 
And like, then they're all there. Michelle Yeoh, and she's got two pistols and like Angela Bassett's behind the counter and she's got a big gun. And they're like, hey, Karen Gillan, take the kid and get out of here. And she does. And then they just like kill everybody in the diner. And how did uh-oh. there were so many guys there? How did the three of them sneak up on them essentially with guns? I'm assuming they came in like the back entrance. Yeah. And they, they still, were it's a counter. It's not like they're behind a wall. Yeah, but they were dressed as waitresses. They didn't. I don't think they pulled their guns out until like the reveal. I think they were just like, "Oh, there are waitresses." I don't know. I don't buy it. <laughs> Aaron, what do you think? Do you think they could have snuck in as waitresses without them noticing? Yeah, they're like ninjas. Boom. Okay, okay. Go back to your gunpowder milkshake fan club, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's not a fan club. I'm just. Not it's like, not a fan club. I'm oh, it's like not? not. I'm just not, like not actively rooting against it. I think. Um. So, anyways. They kill everyone in the diner. Uh, they leave. Uh, Emily ends up forgiving uh, Karen Gillan for killing her father. And then, like, uh, this last little bit at the end, I was like, oh, cool. Because, like, they're at Paul Giamatti's house. And they're like, oh, there's a Girl Scout here. And I was like, cool. I was like, this little kid's about to kill Paul Giamatti. But- <laughs> I love how, like, cool. <laughs> cool. This, I get to watch a little girl murder an adult. It's going to well, be sweet. I, I mean, in a movie, it's fine. Uh, and I thought that was going to be in the movie. But no, instead, they just kind of like Karen Gillan's there with like a sniper rifle and they threaten Paul Giamatti and they're like hey uh, if you don't tell the firm to stop looking for us we're going to murder you and all of them and you know we can do it uh, and then they all leave in that like uh, like 70s style van together and like that's the end of the movie yeah it's a VW bus yeah there you go uh, oh and apparently Michelle Yeoh lost her eye one of her eyes at some point in that last fight because she's wearing an eye patch in the van at the end of the movie yeah, she got, like, slashed in the eye with a knife. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay. I guess I saw her get slashed, and I didn't realize it was, like, eye-losing slashed until she had the eye patch on, so. Yes, I missed it as well. <laughs> right? Pretty good, right? Come on, Aaron, well, nothing? No? Well, I, I, not, even no. A, not even a chuckle. No. Well, not, well, okay. All right. well done. I, you know what, LBJ? I liked it. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Should have married you. <laughs> okay, let's let's not get that out there. Okay, <laughs> let's, no, let's no, we're not going down that avenue. Um, so yeah, so we made it to the end of uh, Gunpowder Milkshake. We did. Uh, LPJ, do you have any role reversals for this? No, I don't have any role reversals for this. <laughs> I got nothing. I think the people that are in this movie were the people they specifically wanted for this movie. All right, but did you hear? I don't know if you guys heard this, but apparently after a radio interview, <laughs> Karen Gillan, <laughs> she revealed that her favorite treat was a milkshake. Thank you. <laughs> what what radio interview was that, Joe? You know what? It didn't say, but I'll look into it. And when we cover Gunpowder Milkshake 2, I'll have the answer. Oh, great. Did you, <laughs> did you see that the three librarians were dressed like in the same colors as the three fairies from Cinderella. Uh, I did see that. I did. And I they did, went to a actually. cabin in the woods, like mm-hmm. that movie, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did you see that in the diner, there's a menu option for the, quote, Fight Club Sandwich, which is an homage to the highly stylized movie of the same name. Yeah. And for those of you listening, if you happen to forget any of these, uh, they're all on IMDb <laughs> Trivia. <laughs> They're the seven things it talks about. So, um, I, I, I mean, I don't really have anything else. I mean, I don't know if you think we're ready to rate this. 
I'm ready. You ready, Aaron? I'm ready. All right. Okay. Uh, who, Aaron? You get the choice. You can. You since you're the guest, you can have one of us go first, or you can go first, or whatever you want. I'll go first. Okay. Five machine guns. <laughs> um. Let's see. So I. I have some things about this movie. I didn't hate it, but it was definitely not what I expected. It was, you're right. I really wanted it to be more humorous and less, I have to, I've never seen John Wick. So my frame of reference for this was like Tarantino style feeling, especially the final fight scene because it was like slow motion and there's so much blood spray and, um, it, it's, it's just not my cup of tea personally. However, I did appreciate the fact that it was a library. I really like that. <laughs> um, I also really appreciate that it was not a like typical female action movie. They weren't like hypersexualized or anything like that. Like they were just badass fighters um so i did appreciate that piece of it um but it was probably a lot longer than it really needed to be and got a little it was just it was longer than it needed to be um so all that in mind i'm going to give this two and a half machine guns all right final answer Uh LBJ, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I'll go next. Um, yeah, this movie, like I kind of said earlier, it borrows. There's really no original ideas in this movie. It borrows from everything else and doesn't do as good of a job with it. So, you know, you've got a, a stylized world they're trying to build with a group of assassins, similar to like John Wick. You've got. Shot. Yeah. You've got. <laughs> you've got a lot of um, like hip, I guess. I mean, what do you want to call the music? Eclectic music? I mean, it's like, um, you know, they're not... There's a lot of... I don't even know how to describe it. A, a lot of Tarantino... It's a lot of Tarantino in this. So there's a lot of music over fight scenes in slow motion. There's, um, you know, Karen Gillan wears a tracksuit kind of in the same in the same vein that uh, Uma Thurman would have worn. <laughs> a jacket, not a tracksuit. Yeah, but it's clearly an homage to that that style. Um, you have fight scenes in here that are are okay fight scenes, but they look like you know actors doing fight scenes. They don't look like trained perfor- trained fight performers performing in, in in some kind of fight scene. Um, there's a lot of stuff in here that's just like watered down, second rate versions of other things that were original in the original films that they were in. You know, there's no, like I said, no original ideas in this. Um, I didn't hate the movie by any means, but you know, I didn't think it was particularly well acted. I didn't think it was, like I said, it was not original, um, but it wasn't boring really. You know, it was an okay watch. So I'm going to say two and a half machine guns right down the middle. You know what's funny is that, like, all our opinions on this are different, 
But like, I'll just say up front, I'm giving it two and a half machine guns as well. <laughs> but like, I'm like, to me, that's more of a positive. Like, I, I you're right. I mean, this movie isn't like groundbreaking. I'm not going to get as nitpicky as like, oh, it looked like actors fighting. I mean, it was actors fighting. So, I mean, they are actors. You know, not every movie can have like stuntmen starring in it to play the part. Some of it just has to be actors fighting. Um, but I, you know, I liked the fight scenes. I thought they were fun. I, I, you know, like maybe they weren't super original, but not, again, not every movie can be like, you know, not, not everything's an original idea. It just can't be, you know, it's like, that's just how it is. Things are going to borrow and whatever. And if it doesn't in a good way, I, I found it to be entertaining. It was a little long. It clocks in at just about two hours. It probably could have trimmed some time, but I, I like the stylized world it was in. I like the characters. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's more than a two and a half movie. I mean, it's on Netflix. And if you're interested, I would check it out if you have it, but I wouldn't go out of your way. To watch it. All right. So we're all in agreement. Two and a half machine guns. Two and a half machine guns. I feel like we all have wildly different opinions about the movie, but we all gave it the same rating. So I guess take that. Yeah, so there <laughs> take you go. For what you will. I was expecting you to be a lot lower, uh, so I almost bumped mine up to three. But I was like, I really don't think it's a three machine gun movie. Yeah, no. I I was almost gonna give it a three, and then I'm like, no, eh, <laughs> it's two and a half. I'm yeah. never gonna watch it again. No, I wouldn't watch it again either. So, I mean, Aaron's gonna watch it all the time now. Uh, not only will I not watch it all the time, uh, if there is a sequel, I will not be the person joining you for that podcast. She's like, not only will I not watch it, I deleted our Netflix account. <laughs> <laughs> I, I blocked that movie. Oh, man. All five people using the account in the different households that they're in are going to be really bad. <laughs> and, I, and, I run, and I just went back and broke all your uh, Doctor Who DVDs with Amy Pond. And, um, <laughs> and I uh, threw your copy of 300 into the river. Oh, I gave up thinking of movies. Yeah, that's, that's probably wise that you did. Um, anyway, I don't know what we're we doing next. Plugs, we're doing plugs. <laughs> I'm a little off here. Uh, yeah, so we are the Last Action Podcast. We come to you every Monday on GameZillaMedia.com. Uh, this is our 151st episode. We just recorded 150 and released it. And uh, yeah, so we are now on. The back half of the 300 episodes that I promised to make. That's a lie. <laughs> I didn't promise to make 300 episodes. I don't know that we're going to get to 355. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Um, 155. 155. Uh, <laughs> but the point is, we are. this is episode 151, so uh, thank you, everybody, who has stuck with us for this long. Um, and thank you to all the patrons who help us out. We appreciate uh, everything you do for us. And uh, we hope you enjoy the post credit scene, which is our Patreon show. And uh, you can check out the other shows on the GameZilla Media Network, Noobs and Dragons, Legend of Retro, the GameZilla Podcast, uh, all the streamers, all the... You can try to check us out on Discord if you want to chat with us. Uh, yeah, we got, we got lots of stuff for you to, uh, to check out on GameZillaMedia.com. Um, anything else you want to plug, Joe? Uh, no, I think you covered it all great. Good. Well, uh, Aaron, thanks for being here. Uh, I'll see you in a few minutes when I go upstairs. Um, yeah, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Sure. I, you know, I kind of feel a little bit bad about subjecting you to that movie, you know, because, I, I, you know, I want you to enjoy your time here. Um, and I feel like that movie really put a damper on it. Well, listen, just remember that when I tell you what my next movie is going to be. And then we'll see who enjoyed it and who doesn't. Wow. Uh, that would be an episode <laughs> I take off. Uh, we'll see. 
because Jason hates laughing. <laughs> I only laugh at myself. Uh, yeah. Anything else you want to plug, Joe? No, there's nothing else. Unless Are you there's sure? You, unless there's something you want me to plug, I don't have anything else to plug. I don't know. I got nothing, man. I'm I'm good. I'm golden. You plugged everything. Aaron, is there anything there. you want to plug? Um, no, I don't think so. Wow, this is a terrible ending. I'm going to edit all this out. <laughs> I'm not going to edit. I'm not going to edit. All right. Well, this episode of the Last Action Podcast has been terminated. But we'll be back.